What is up and what is this? New face, new night? That can only mean one thing. It's rankings time. Welcome in to No Punt Intended. I am your host tonight, Austin Amendolia. We are kicking off our second annual ranking series. Women of Fantasy Football have taken over the Wednesday night pod, but we're still here to bring you all the fantasy takes you need as we hit the heart of redraft season. But without further ado, we have to introduce our rankers. First off, there's me. I'm one of our rankers at Austin underscore FFL on Twitter. And with me, my Mock It Like a Talk co-host and our editor, Ryan Weiss at the Fantasy Five. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic. Austin, glad to be doing this show with you and Joel. Uh, always good to defend our rankings, and you do such a great job of picking them apart. I look forward to uh, talking about them tonight. Yeah, that reminds me. I remember last year when we started posting our rankings on, on the old Twitter. Um, it's the old Twitter now because... Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it actually is the old Twitter. Um, and we started getting flat for, for our rankings. That's that's the best part about this time of year is people just coming at me and like, how could you possibly have Josh Allen ranked second? It's like... Oops. He's still, <laughs> <laughs> he's still top yeah. two. Now, interestingly enough... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> God forbid you move him down one rank. Interestingly enough, we didn't do a whole lot of that this year, mainly because like we had so much going on this summer. The rankings are literally just now posted on their website. I have to yell at Joel to have him get them on Fantasy Pro so his are even on the website because it's right now just me, you, and Josh. Yeah, but we have have started introducing Joel, the one and only Joel Worth, long enough. Joel Worth is also one of our rankers at the Joel Worth. Joel, how are you tonight? Awesome. Glad to be back. It's uh, This is one of my favorite shows. It's really, really fun. I don't know if it's this one or the rankings review that we do after the season, but yes. yeah, both super fun. So looking forward to it. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's a great, great time. Our other rankers, uh, first off, there's Josh Hudson. That guy, he's just, you know, he's just our founder, whatever. Yeah. At the one Hudsonian. He couldn't join us tonight. He had this thing called work. Never heard of her. Guy, guy turns 40 and all of a sudden he can't make it to his own shows. What's going on? And then we also have Chris Molina at Chrismo2413, who also couldn't join us also for this thing called work. Uh, and hey, the great thing is, guys, we're all experts, apparently, because you can find our rankings on Fantasy Pros Experts uh, platform. Uh, Ryan and I, at least, are definitely in the expert consensus. And then, hey, everybody else, they type experts.fantasypros.com to input their rankings. So we're all experts right. as far as I'm concerned. I love it. So just a quick overview reminder of how this show works. Our rankings, again, can be found on our website, clubfantasyffl.com. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking through our rankings going live Thursdays at 7 p.m. This week, we're doing quarterbacks and tight ends together because, gosh, tight ends, such an awful position to talk about. I mandate that we can only talk about it for a maximum of 30 minutes. Right. And then we'll do running backs next week, which I don't know. That's going to be a wild ride given the running back situation right now. And then after that, we'll do wide receivers because 
there's a bunch of great wide receivers and you can you can wait until the last minute to really plan and strategize for that what's the uh over under for the running back show on how many times we have to say if they play because i feel like that's just <laughs> the theme right now <laughs> uh, off the cuff i'm going to set it three and a half okay i think it's pretty over good. <laughs> way over we have josh jacobs and jonathan taylor who are going to take up so much time on the shows hey a lot can happen in a week you know that's true josh we'll jacobs start be in switzerland for all we know that's true he ain't in vegas <laughs> it would be incredible you know it pans to josh jacobs in switzerland just chilling on his couch like what what do you expect me to do i was the best running back in the league last year and nobody's paying me right they're NFL's only giving me 10 million dollars only <laughs> NFL is a wild situation, but we're going to start each of our shows by walking through just our consensus rankings. And then I have a set of questions that we're going to talk through with each of these. Be on the lookout for some hot takes because they may come back in several months when the season's over and we revisit this show. Um, So if anybody is saying something outlandish, just keep it, keep it up here because I definitely will be taking notes. I love it. So to begin our quarterback consensus rankings, we're just looking at the quarterback one tier for these rankings. We'll talk a little bit more about other ones later, um, but we're not going to get into quarterback two tiers because we're not we're not catering to the super flex people tonight. Sorry, guys. Like, it's a bummer. We're just doing single quarterback. But without further ado, our consensus rankings. You know, I'm just going to go to our website just to confirm I have this right still and it didn't move around. It is number one, Josh Allen which apparently is a hot take this year. Number two is Patrick Mahomes. Number three, Jalen Hurts. Number four, Lamar Jackson. I am very proud, and I would take all the credit for having made this happen. Uh, quarterback five, we have Justin Herbert, followed by Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and then Justin Fields at QB8. Dak Prescott at QB9. Daniel Jones at quarterback 10, which I am taking credit for that, even more so than <laughs> Lamar Jackson. Geno Smith at QB 11, and then rounding out the top 12, the most boring quarterback in the NFL from a fantasy perspective, Kirk Cousins, which the fact that you can get Kirk Cousins as a 12th quarterback overall, that's everything, everything you need to know. So the first question is just like, how much difference a year makes? Just reflecting on that, like quarterbacks last year, we had several quarterbacks in our top 12 consensus that are not found in our consensus this year. Last year, we had guys like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, which <laughs> I, I'm surprised he made it in our top 24 this year, frankly, but somehow he still snuck his way in there. Tom Brady, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Tom Brady was still playing football last year. Like it's incredible how there hasn't been a regular season football game played, and yet it already feels like an eternity ago when Tom Brady played football in the NFL. We also had Trey Lance and Derek Carr in, in our top 12 consensus last year, all guys that aren't in it this year. So we're going to go through, we're just going to talk about which players that are current, that are in our consensus rankings for this year, in our consensus top 12 for this year, stick out to us the most. This is just looking at the trends of like, who has popped out the most over the past year? And Ryan, we're going to start with you. Who sticks out the most to you in our consensus rankings for this year? So I, we, we've kind of joked about this. Um, we've come to the discovery that my rankings are boring. Um, you're going to call me out on that a little bit later again. And so looking this year, they feel right to me. Um, obviously, you guys are higher on Dak Prescott than I am because we're going to talk about that again in a bit. Um, so I guess the one I really want to focus on is going to be Kirk Cousins at 12 because Kirk Cousins, you can pin his name 
to quarterback 12. It's, it's who he is as a person. But with that safe floor also comes kind of a boring upside and we know we're not going to get the primetime games. So for me, I, I don't even know where he actually falls in my own rankings because I'm probably about to just contradict the shit out of myself. Yeah, I have him at 11. Um, I would prefer to see guys with more upside to Ataga Vailoa, even in my own rankings, Dak Prescott, but he does come in ahead of Kirk Cousins. But I know, you know, personal issues aside, Deshaun Watson, there are guys who I think are a little bit more exciting than Kirk Cousins that probably deserve the better handle there. The rest of the guys kind of feel like they belong where they are. Um, I do have it interesting on um, hallway hot dog just popped up. I'm going to get him up on the screen. He said he's drafting fields over Lamar. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but like Lamar was fields first and has proven he could throw the football, whereas Fields hasn't done that. So I'm not on board with that take, but I mean, it's not my team. Hot dog, it's yours, so do what you got to do. But I guess the boringness of Kirk Cousins just sticks out to me. I'm not saying he doesn't belong at 12. I just, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you you mentioned the name, so I'll just I'll throw this out there really briefly. Um, Deshaun Watson probably would be in our consensus rankings, but... I don't like thinking about him from a fantasy perspective, so I don't rank him. And so because of that, it tanks his ranking on our site. If you took me out, he would be ranked at probably QB eight or nine. So just flag that out there. If you're like, what the heck? These guys don't know what they're talking about. That's on me. Blame me. I just, I don't rank the guy. But getting back to your point about Kirk Cousins, you're right. There's just no upside there. But the problem is, is that with a lot of the guys beneath him, the floor just feels so freaking low like we saw the floor for russell wilson last year what the heck was that yeah was it took it? a bailoa you sure about that <laughs> wow oh, <dear>. <laughs> i love i love doing shows with joel because so just like get like a couple words in here and there and you just don't see it coming and it's yeah. perfectly timed uh but like okay to took a bailoa there's a risk that he doesn't play all 17 games Jared Goff, like, I think as unsexy as Kirk Cousins is, like, Jared Goff is even less sexy than that. I mean, I just – so I'm with you. I prefer someone more upside, but, hey, you made our consensus. Well, Joe, what, a, what I love about doing these shows, just real quick, is I keep my rankings up while we talk, and I fixed my rankings and moved Cousins to 13 where he belongs. <laughs> there we go. Now it's all ruined. Our consensus has changed. Not till next week. <laughs> I, I haven't clicked submit yet. The, website's, the website holds true. Awesome. Perfect. Joel, what about you? Who sticks out to you most out of this year's top 12 consensus? Uh, the guy that sticks out the most to me is Daniel Jones being in the top 10. I mean, apparently <laughs> you can now throw for 15 touchdowns and that makes you a top 10 quarterback. I... Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Deshaun Watson. He should probably definitely be in the top 12. But yeah, you, I mean, you hit on a great point. If you, if you don't want to take a guy, you know, don't take him, right? It's your team. So if and I, I mean, I, I think we all think he's pretty gross as a human being, but now he is a good quarterback and we have to acknowledge that. So yeah, Daniel Jones, I, we, we talked about him on the dynasty show. I just, I don't think there's a whole lot more, right? I don't think there's much more to him. And for some reason he's making $40 million. So he's much lower in my rankings. He's not a top, uh, not a top 10 guy <laughs> by any means. Uh, so yeah, he's the guy that, really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in that top 10 to me. See, I would argue, you said there's not much more. He only scored 22 total touchdowns last year. And so obviously you expect some of the rushing, seven rushing touchdowns for Daniel Jones. You don't feel like that's something you can just, you know, 
give him and be happy with it in your projections. But if just a few of those slide to receiving touchdowns, and my God, with Darren Waller, you certainly hope they do. I don't think he did anything particularly unrepeatable last year. And Austin, I think you'll defend me on that. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Joel, did you even bring Daniel Jones? I Did I forget him? <laughs> just so everybody knows. Let's, let's explain possible. this real quick on why there's some you know uh, problems with our rankings. Um, our goal was to get everybody You're into right, fantasy pros. Con- <laughs> of course, you did. Um, our goal was to get everybody into fantasy pros consensus this year. We had some hiccups. I had some family tragedy to deal with, and so we have a spreadsheet with our rankings and fantasy pros. And Joel just hasn't uploaded his to fantasy pros yet, so there's just a lot of moving parts. But we still wanted to give you guys content, and sometimes chaos is content. So enjoy it. And, uh, the narrative is Joel forgot to put Daniel Jones in his rankings. Yeah. That's perfect for this. I mean, right, so I would put him behind Jared Goff at, at 16. Let's, okay. let's say that. That's fair. Uh, and, you know, honestly, that's closer to his ADP. His ADP is around QB 14. And, yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. I think it's a value because he ran for 750 yards last year. That probably comes down a little bit. It's a lot of yards to run for. But also, he has better offensive weapons this year. Um, he's going to have an improving offensive line. So I just I think he can he can keep it up and keep moving up from there. I got to throw out real quick. I thought Caesar's icon here because I'm old was the middle finger. And I was like, oh, we got some Daniel Jones fans in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Jesus. (laughs) Incredible. So Josh can't be here, but he still wants to put it, give his two cents, uh, which means that we can talk shit about him and he can't defend himself. Uh, Josh, the one that sticks out to him the most is Trevor Lawrence up to seven. Uh, he says the addition of Calvin Ridley has vaulted his perception and I am here for it. Now I would push back on that a little bit. I don't think it was the addition of Calvin Ridley that vaulted Trevor Lawrence's perception. I think it was his end of year performance that really got caught people's attention. Like he became the person we thought he was going to become, but uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, he's now consensus top 12, one year removed from the good old urban Meyer fiasco. I've talked about this a lot. In fact, I think I talked about it with uh, Sicoli a few weeks ago when I did the uh, Dynasty show. Um, I am full, or maybe it was our last mock it like it's hot show. The Jaguars and the Chargers, I couldn't be more bought into what their quarterbacks like. I, normally, it's the Cowboys I over project. This year, it's the Jaguars and the Chargers. Like, I'm giving everybody 100 targets, like, you know, touchdowns everywhere. Um, I, I look at my rankings and I know I should change them because like I have Ridley over a hundred targets. I have Christian Kirk over a hundred targets. I still have Zay Jones damn near at a hundred targets and Evan Ingram just over a hundred targets. I'm just like throwing them out there. I love every part of that team. And so Trevor Lawrence, I feel like is ready to take this big leap forward in my projections. He still falls short of like the elite guy. So I have him right there at eight, but I mean, if he ended the year in the top five, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by it either. Now, good old Zach, did Taysom Hill crack the top 24 quarterback rankings? I don't even rank him as a quarterback anymore. (laughs) No, Zach, he's a tight end. Thank you very much. And fun fact, he is outside of our top 30 tight ends. So that's that's lovely. But we're here to help you out with your leagues as much as we are to spew out our takes about random players. And we got this question from... What is this? Is this, is this Twitch? Yeah, Twitch. Come okay, on, I'm fam. 
come on fan on Twitch. Should I keep Ramondre Stevenson at the 801 or Josh Allen at the 512? Got Josh Allen at the 503 last year. And quarterbacks go late in my league. What do we think about this? Ryan, let's start with you. As someone who adores Ramondre Stevenson, there are enough question marks about Ramondre that I feel like getting Josh Allen at the 512 still presents the best value here, even if quarterbacks go late. So I think I would take Josh Allen at the 512, even though Ramondre at the 801 feels like robbery. Um, Just to throw it out there, I was literally just talking to somebody about a draft strategy today. I view Ramondre as a third, fourth round pick. So there's still immense value there. But I view Josh Allen as a second, third round pick. So the value lines up. The difference is there ain't no question marks around Josh Allen. So give me give me the safer bet there. Joe? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Ryan. I I want difference makers at their positions, and Josh Allen qualifies. Uh, Ramondre doesn't. Um, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> – I'm, I'm lower on Ramondre – Ramondre in general than the market is, but I'm also like completely unfazed by Zeke Elliott signing. So, you know, any dip that he's seeing is kind of nonsense in my view, but uh, yeah, I, I would take Allen just because I'm like, you can draft another Ramondre Stevenson. You've only got a couple chances to draft another Josh Allen. I, to, to Joel's point, you could probably draft the Ramondre Stevenson in the third or fourth round of the draft. Whereas right. you're playing Russian roulette with Josh Allen. If your league decides this is the year they want to pay up for quarterback. And as a trend that Austin and I have noticed on Mock It Like It's Hot, this seems to be the year people are paying up for Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. They are not in any draft getting out of the third round. Yeah, I'm with both of you there. Also, like Ramondre, he got a lot of pass game utilization last year. And part of that's because that pass offense was awful. And so he was getting a bunch of dump offs, a bunch of easy screens. I think the pass game is going to be better this year. There's some better weapons there. It's not elite. It's not great. But they're not going to need to rely on dump offs to Ramondre Stevenson as much. So I do worry about his pass volume going down. I love this question. Jake from State Farm. You want to sponsor our show? Like if you're if you're watching, like well, what's funny is I read it as Superflex and did not even notice the logo. So I was like, what are you talking about? But yes, it is Jake from State Farm. Dynasty with contracts. Oh, we got Joel here for our dynasty contest. So this is yeah. perfect. One quarterback, half EPR, Josh Allen for two years, or Chris Olave for four. I like this one and I like the contract spin on this. Joel, what's your take on this? uh in a one qb half ppr man that really dings olave um so i'm probably gonna stick with allen uh just because like same thing as before like allen's a true difference maker at the position um olave in a half ppr is like he's you want to kind of skew running back there so olave gets kind of dinged uh the, the the contract is nice it kind of helps push him up a little bit, but I, I would still take Josh Allen here. Ryan? One QB. And I was ready to fight with Joel, but then I'm like, man, I sell my soul to get an elite quarterback and you get him for two years. I, I guess my next question would be, and if you're still with us, um, what happens at the end of their contract? Do they just go back into a draft? Are you able to trade them in the last year of their contract? I, I, there's a lot to it. 
I think I would go with Olave in a one quarterback. I'm confident I can go out there and find a quarterback. Give me four years of Chris Olave. I think he's going to be, I think to counter Joel's point, I think Olave is going to be a difference maker at wide receiver. I think it depends a little bit on the size of the league. So if it's a, if it's a 10 team league, I am especially more willing to go Chris Olave there. If it is 12 team, it's a little bit more of a toss up. I think I'll start to lean Josh Allen there. If it's anything more than 12 team league, it's clearly Josh Allen because of how much yes. he's, bigger he's going to be. Great point. Like even at a 12 team, that might even change my mind a little bit. So. Yeah. So awesome questions. Thank you all for all of the engagement and we're going to get back into discussing our rankings. So the great thing about us is our top three rankings are basically the same, which is great. They're basically the same as the industry. See, we're not that off the wall, everyone. Yeah. So we have- And that's what you want from your fantasy content. The same thing everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we've learned. You just copy each other and then somehow you end up at ESPN eventually, right? Like yeah. It's, there we go. Um, so top three, we got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. We're not going to argue about which of those should be the number one. It's not worth it. They're on the same tier. Get your favorite quarterback. Quarterback for those where it gets interesting to me. And I particularly want to talk about, do we think there's another quarterback who can break into that top three, into that top tier? Because those three quarterbacks really separated last year. And so it's like, if you're finding someone else who's going to break into that top tier, you're finding them at a value given current ADP. And I want to talk, so we all have someone different as the fourth quarterback. And I want to ask two questions. Just first off, do they break into that top tier? And why do you think your player is able to break into that top tier if so? So, Joel, we'll start with you. You got Justin Herbert ranked QB4. Do you think he breaks into the top tier? And if so, why? Uh, no, uh, just because I think that top tier is pretty elite. And I don't think Justin Herbert's going to provide kind of the rushing upside that those guys do. And I don't think he's at Mahomes' level uh, for, you know, a non-rush uh, heavy quarterback. That said, uh, this is a guy who's going to get the offensive coordinator of basically the uh, best offense in the league the last couple of years coming over and replacing a guy who didn't really, uh, who's, you know, play calling style didn't really mesh with Herbert's skills. So, yeah, I think Kellen Moore is going to make a big difference there. Uh They've got elite weapons, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you know, whether whatever you think of Quentin Johnson, Austin Eckler um, should have a uh, little, hopefully, hopefully this is the year they get some kind of decent luck with their offensive line and don't lose, you know, their offensive tackle and center in the, the first two games of the year. Uh, eventually that's got to happen, right? I, you would yeah. think. Um, so, yeah, I, I think all signs arrows are pointing up for Herbert. And that's if there was uh, a guy to break into the top tier, I think it would be him. I love it. Uh, I got, I have nothing to argue with that. I think Herbert has the ability to do it. He's done it before. We've seen him score 40 point games in a week. Um, it'll, it's going to be interesting. I'm very excited about Cullen Moore being there. Should be a good season for them. Ryan, you have Joe Burrow as your QB4. Is he going to break it into the top, top tier? And if so, why do you think, think so? So a couple of caveats. First of all, no, he's not going to break into the top three. Um, Those are so down on your QB fours. Second of all, <laughs> I don't know how long it had been since I updated quarterbacks. Herbert is certainly my QB four now. Um, Burrow took a hit for me after the injury. Um, just uh, they're still, you could say, you know, it's just a, a preseason injury, but it shows that he is still getting hit. <laughs> Things can still happen to him. I don't trust that offensive line. So he did take a bump down for me. Um, I will go back to Joel's point. I think Herbert could be the guy to do it. 
and at the very least, maybe bridge the gap a little bit. Right now, there's an ocean between three and four. Those three guys, Hurts, Mahomes, and Allen, are just better than the other ones out there for fantasy purposes because of with Mahomes, you have elite passing upside that you're hoping you're going to see from Justin Herbert this year. With Hertz, you have elite rushing upside. And then with Allen, you have that perfect middle and nobody else kind of provides all of that together. And I think that's what you're looking for, for someone who's going to sneak into the top three. So I don't think it's going to happen. And with Joe Burrow, I'll go back and talk about what I liked about Joe Burrow pre the man already being hurt again is you have two of the best young wide receivers on a single team. You have a team with an aging running back who was not very efficient last year. I think we're going to see a Bengals team that is willing to throw the ball more as long as that offensive line can keep him fucking upright. And that's going to be the key there because part of the reason you have to keep running 3.7 yards per carry Joe Mixon into the ground is because you know if you leave Burrow back there for more than two seconds, he's going to end up on his ass or on his head or on his knee. And that's not what you want. And that's what they need to figure out. You can't keep forking all this money over and not getting what you want out of it. So they've put a lot of money into the offensive line over the last two seasons ever since that Super Bowl. Let's see them get some payback out of that. This is why, from a football perspective, you saw the way that uh, the Bengals changed their offense last year was to run out of shotgun instead of passing out of under center yeah. because they can't they can't block long enough for Joe Burrow to pass the ball from under center. Here I was thinking that I was going to pick all different players and we we're going to be here pointing at each other like the Spider Man theme. And it was no, we all hate our guys. <laughs> and apparently, I'm the only one that's not in on. Justin Herbert as the QB4 now because Josh also was in on Herbert yeah. as the QB4. He is all in this year. He says he could very well lead the league in pass attempts by a large margin in all caps. I would love to see the projections on that. I'm I'm confident already now that Josh is over projecting the Los Angeles Chargers. And it's as someone who is hilarious. also over projecting the Chargers, he probably is. Now I want to go see if I have him also leading it. <laughs> if Quentin Justin lives up to his draft stock. For Josh, no quarterback in the league has better weapons paired with an offensive coordinator ready and willing to throw and throw and throw. Now, how dare you? There is an offense that has Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and B. John Robinson, and I would take them to contest with your Quentin Johnson and your two 30-year-old running, uh, receivers that get hurt every other week, but that's just me. Uh, so my QB4, and apparently I'm just fighting all three of you now, is Lamar Jackson. And I feel like all I need to say is unanimous MVP. Is there any further argument? Like he did this before. And the only thing that's kept him from doing it since then, injury. And I don't think he's going to get injured this year. That's an awful thing to say. I shouldn't. That's like no, I, I, curse right there. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're the, the John Madden football logo. I don't think we need to worry about that kind of word. <laughs> just by saying he's not yeah. All six years of ours. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> no, I, um, I mean, I'm in on him. I think the rushing upside is still there. And I do think they're going to pass a lot more this year. And he has shown he is a good passer. And it's going to work. It's going to be a great offense. I'm high on Baltimore this year. I don't think you're wrong. I think, and in, in we've hit on this in numerous shows, and I think you're hearing it about Lamar. We don't know what this new offense is. And if this new offense is an outlet to see him pass the ball more, I don't know if we're going to see, you know, what was it, 2020, where he set the world on fire? I don't know if we're going to see that kind of passing. Um, you, you certainly hope so. My issue is what my issue has been. I don't trust his wide receivers. Everybody knows I hate five foot nine wide receivers. So I don't see Zay flowers making a big impact. Odell Beckham can't stay on the field. 
but he does have Mark Andrews. Is it enough? Probably. Um, we definitely are going to need to see a lot of touchdowns out of him and he could certainly do it, but this new offense is the mystery. So when you see Austin, that you're so far ahead of the consensus, I think a lot of the consensus is just falling into the Baltimore offense instead of the Todd Monken offense. So. That's fair. I think it's wrong, but it's fair. And I love it. So speaking of polarizing topics, Apparently, one of the most polarizing players per our consensus rankings is one Dak Prescott, which I never thought I would have said. He's like basically the tier above Kirk Cousins. Like he's about as uh, vanilla as it gets from a fantasy perspective. But we have the widest range on him. And this was going to be a lot funnier when we were going to yell at Josh for having him ranked as QB7, which seems Idiot. wild. He's probably, if I pulled him up on the show right now, I can hear him right now. How many points do you get for scoring a touchdown? Six. Well, that's why we do six point passing touchdown scoring, and he's going to score a bunch of passing touchdowns. I imagine that's his argument. Whatever. I have Dak Prescott ranked at QB 10, and I'm still the highest on Dak Prescott in this show, where Joel has him at QB 11 and Brian at QB 14. So, Ryan, we're actually going to start with you. Why do you hate Dak Prescott? <laughs> I, I was not expecting that. Um... <laughs> I'm like typing in an answer. So let me just throw this up on the screen rather than type. It was Dak Prescott that one of our rankers has a seven. Josh Allen is nobody's QB seven. Nothing to be worried about there. Uh, but anyway, back to I Dak said, Prescott. Did I say Josh Allen? I don't know if you said it or we misheard or what happened. But anyway, Whoops. it's not so much that I hate Dak Prescott. And I think this goes to something we've been preaching for years. This is how deep quarterback is. I'm not going to be upset if Dak Prescott is my starting quarterback in fantasy, but I still have him as my 14th ranked guy. And I think the reason that I'm you're seeing him, Josh Mates, nobody knows what to do with this offense, just like what we just said about Baltimore. You cannot deny the fact that they got rid of Kellen Moore explicitly saying we can't throw the ball on every play. So you have to think passing volume is likely to go down. And when you look at their new offensive coordinator, um, he was in Seattle in 2020, and they only threw the ball 563 times. Dallas didn't throw the ball a ton last year is the thing. Like Dak Prescott was the QB 19 in 12 games. He only threw the ball 394 times. I don't quite have handy with a team through the ball. It'll take me a second here. Um, they only threw the ball 558 times, I think, last year, 556 times last year. I don't think you're going to necessarily see them throw the ball less. I think you're going to see this offense. I think we already saw a little bit of what they wanted to do last year. That what they want to do this year, last year. So I think you're going to see a very mediocre volume passing offense. The touchdowns could be there, but like outside of CD lamb and Brandon cooks, they have unproven commodities everywhere else. I don't trust Michael Gallup. Jalen Tolbert is apparently nipping at his heels for the wide receiver three spot. Their tight ends are unproven. Are you telling me CD lamb and, and Brandon cooks are each going to catch 12 touchdowns? Like, I just don't know that I buy into it. I'm not going to be mad if Dak Prescott is my quarterback because that just shows how deep quarterback is, but he's not someone I'm targeting in drafts. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Joel, what about you? You have him at QB 11. What, what, what's your thoughts on Dak Prescott? Yeah, Dak basically goes as his health allows and as the health of his offensive line allows, right? Uh, last year, he missed three, four games with the broken thumb, and we got the Cooper Rush experience. 
Uh, and Tyron Smith missed a bunch of times. I mean, that's yeah. a really good offensive line, but they're, they've just been really injury prone. So uh, there's certainly a scenario where he stays healthy and the line stays healthy, and that's a really good offense. Uh, I, Ryan alluded to it. I mean, the, the offensive game planning on this team could be terrifying, right? I mean, Mike McCarthy got run out of Green Bay in 2018 because he had no plan, right? The league just completely passed him by. Um, there was no scheming of receivers getting open. It was just go out there, get open, you know, do your thing. You, and, you know, it it basically caused Aaron Rodgers to revolt and, get, you know, got McCarthy run out of town because they weren't going to replace the quarterback. Uh, so, it, you know, when he got hired by Dallas, he said, yeah, I you know, took the year off, reflected, and and he loves Changed my ways, now. but yeah, <laughs> we have no, we have no evidence to suggest that, that that's the case. And him hiring Brian Schottenheimer doesn't really inspire any confidence that that's the case. So um, yeah, I, I think Dak just, he is what he is, right? It's as long as he's healthy, as long as he's got good offensive line play, he's going to be productive. And, and I think Ryan hit it on the head. This He's only going to go as far as this offense can go. And, it could be really good. It could be kind of sketchy. The only uh, pushback I have on this is they have not really addressed the running back room. And that is what makes me wonder if they're going to pass the ball more. And no, I do not think having Tony Pollard as your number one running back is addressing the running back room for an NFL team. <laughs> I just, I don't think he can carry the ball 300, 400 times in a season. And so that does kind of raise my eyebrows a little bit. Now, if they sign like a Leonard Fournette uh, or Kareem Hunt, yeah, Kareem Hunt's the other one still out there. Maybe that changes my mind, but it does make me wonder if they're going to actually pass the ball more than we think they would based on Michael McCarthy's history. So I want to talk now about quarterbacks that our rankers just have ranked very differently than consensus. And we're going to start with my buddy, Joel, because I knew this was coming. I knew I could. I knew it was coming in April. I've been waiting for this for months. Joel, now's your chance to talk about Jordan Love. You have, as a candidate for a QB one season, you have him ranked as quarterback twelve. Last I saw. Tell us about Jordan Love. So th th this is my chance to talk about Jordan Love. I feel like that's all I've been doing for the past year. So. But he in the chat is probably sick of hearing it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think like big picture, Aaron Rodgers is holding this offense back, right? The, the way he wants to play, the way he demands to kind of play is kind of antithetical to the way that LaFleur's offense wants to run. He's basically kind of a, a Shanahan disciple, uh, wants to run, you know, a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of uh, under center instead of playing from shotgun all the time, wants to run with play with tempo, the uh, play with, you know, less vertical concepts and more horizontal concepts in the route uh, in the route trees for the receivers. And that's just not the way that Aaron Rodgers wants to play. He played, he wants to play out of shotgun all the time. He wants to run the play clock down. Like they took so many wasted timeouts just because he, you know, insisted on running the play clock down just to see where the defense was going to commit instead of dictating where they have to play by, you know, running free snap motion, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I think he was actively kind of an anchor on this offense when, you know, whether, no matter how good or bad he was, it's just, they don't mesh and Lafleur can come out and say, Oh no, that's the way we want to play. It's BS. It's, it's not, it's not the way that offense wants to run that, that the talk about him going to San Francisco just never made sense just because that's Shanahan just wouldn't tolerate that. So um, yeah, I think 
you know, they've got good weapons. Uh, they're young, obviously. So there's, there's, you know, there's probably gonna be some growing pains, but there's talent there, right? Dobbs is a pretty good player. As long as he learns how to catch the ball, Watson is like super explosive. He's, you know, when we get to the receivers, you'll, you'll really see an upside play there. Um, and, and it looks like they're going to, it looks like Musgrave is going to be a big part of this offense. And they, they haven't had that, right? They've been running Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis just out as a blocker. They haven't had a, a, a threat at tight end for years, basically since you're Michael Finley. So uh, no. I think it's going to be a very different offense. Uh, it's going to look you know, very different than it did uh, under Rodgers. I think Love is Love's had three years to study this offense. He's going to be LaFleur's kind of hand on the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's got to I, – I would take him above – Daniel Jones, as I just said, so uh, above that kind of tier. So, yeah, I, I think he's uh, I think he's got a case to be a QB1 in that 10, 11, 12 range. I love it. I, I actually – you've really sold me on Jordan Love this year, and I watched uh, his preseason performance, and it is the preseason, so take that for what you will. But I thought he looked good. He had, like, one throw where he just straight up missed a wide-open Luke Musgrave over the middle of the field. That was a little bit concerning. That's preseason. And that, I mean, that's, to that point, like he did miss that throw, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a mechanical problem. It was just, it, yep. it, and these are the things he's got to learn, right? He just, he kept his eyes on the linebacker too long and just kind of didn't, you know, get his eyes over to his receiver. That's, that's simple stuff that he'll learn as he goes. Yep. Uh, it's not just, you know, that he can't throw or he's still got mechanical issues or stuff like that. His deep balls, I mean, he has had a really good preseason. His deep balls have been money. He's been nailing. Watson with some just beautiful deep balls like the other day against a really good New England defense. They, from you know all the courts, they really kind of took, uh, they really took the, the Pats defense to school. And you know Belichick wasn't disguising anything, right? Or he he wasn't. You know it's not like a he was throwing he was throwing their defense at them. He wasn't like a televised preseason game where he didn't want his you know his game plan to get out. He was throwing stuff at him. So he's had a pretty impressive preseason. And I think it's just going to carry over. I love this. I love hearing Joel talk about football. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I literally couldn't add anything because I don't know Jordan Love the way Joel knows Jordan Love. All I'll throw out there is I want to love Jordan Love because of hearing Joel wax poetically about him. No matter what I do to my rankings, I cannot get him inside my top 20. So, Joel, I hope you're right. My rankings just can't get him there. I don't know. I guess I, I need to get get on. No, that. I understand that. Like He hasn't done it, right? So that's, yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah, I think fair. that's what it is. Um, so. Yeah. Speaking of guys that can't get inside of Ryan's top 20, Ryan, you were just out on Matt Stafford. What's yeah. going on? So I, I didn't realize how bad it was until I looked at the show sheet and then I was like, I know I hate Matt Stafford, but how bad do I hate Matt Stafford? But yeah, I, I hate Matt Stafford. So I don't even know what he is in the rankings you have, but at my current, he's projected as my QB 29. And that is, I believe, with me only having him miss one game and having, you know, the stud Stenson Bennett coming in and, and just lighting the world on fire. The long and short of it is he set the world on fire, Matt Stafford did in that Super Bowl run. I don't see it happening again. When he played last year, and keep in mind in the games where he played last year, he had Cooper Cup in all of them. He was averaging something like 14.4 points per game in a six-point league. He finishes the QB 33. Keep in mind he missed, you know, eight games or whatever. He finishes the QB 33. On a points-per-game basis, he was the QB 35. And there were only like five quarterbacks ahead of him who played 
um, fewer than five games. So it's not like I had to remove a lot of people to, to make him look better or worse. He sucks, plain and simple. He's getting old. His injuries aren't going to heal right. I know that they're saying, you know, he's as healthy as ever. Cooper Cup is already, already banged up. Van Jefferson is their wide receiver too. Tutu fucking Atwell is their wide receiver three as it stands. I don't know if you've seen Tutu Atwell, but if you haven't, it's probably because he was standing behind somebody who was five foot eight because he's a little dude and he doesn't belong as a wide receiver three on an NFL field. They do have my guy, Puka Nakua, who looked really good in practice again today. I'm very excited about Puka Nakua and I can't wait for all the magic that he and Stenson Bennett create together. But no, I'm, I'm out on Matt Stafford. I'm out on older quarterbacks with elbow problems and offenses that aren't going to be very good and are already hurt. Oh, boy. Puka Nakua. That's going to be a different Wide receiver one. <laughs> oh, boy. Please don't. <laughs> he, he, he barely cracks like my top 80 in my rankings. It's not going to be a Puka Nakua wide receiver show, but he is good and I like him. Incredible. So a couple points from Josh, and then we we are actually going to talk about Titans tonight. I promise. Uh, Josh says he's the lowest of us on the fields. Thinks it's a lot of work for him to do. As a, there's a lot of work for him to do as a pastor, a passer, and as great as CJ Moore is, Fields is that inconsistent in his mechanics. If he doesn't rush for a thousand yards, and there are no injuries with our consensus top twelve, which is unrealistic, he's not a top five guy like people think he is. I think this is an interesting take, and I'm I'm with it. I do have concerns about Fields as a passer, and I think he is going to need to continue to evolve as a passer. Uh, Ryan, I made this joke on our Monday morning mock draft show. Like, just because he threw two passes for a hundred yards and two touchdowns and negative four air yards, does not mean that he's going to be set up for a killer season. Like, that is not a sustainable path to success. They're not going to run touchdown screen passes to DJ Moore on every single play. If they managed that. I think we would have to have conversations about this being the best offense in NFL history, because yeah. that would just be bonkers. Josh also said, so let's be honest. We're all too low on Anthony Richardson. He's likely a top 15 quarterback at minimum when injuries derail the league. And none of us have him above QB 18. I think this is a good point. I, I'm at 14. Well, go. Joel has him at 14. So uh, I believe Josh was looking at this site. Uh, we're, we're getting Joel there as quickly as we can. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with it. I get the I get the buy-in on Anthony Richardson. I feel a little bit better about him now that he's officially named the starter. I will finally admit he's going to start week one now that he has been named. Hey, you got it. All you needed was for the team to publicly announce it, and you've caught up to the rest of the fantasy world. <laughs> I think it's a mistake. But it's happening, and I do worry about it because I really, I really hope that the offensive line is better, and I really hope that the weapons can separate so that he doesn't just get buried underwater in the pass game. But the rushing upside is there. He's probably going to be a QB1 several weeks throughout the season, assuming he plays all 17 games. If there's no Jonathan Taylor there, I legitimately worry for his life because if defenses can just key in on Anthony Richardson – Yep. It's going to be a very short season for Anthony Richards. I think that's very true. And, I, you know, it's just, it's hard for me to get past the fact that everybody during the pre draft process was saying he needs to sit a year. He needs to sit a year. He needs to sit a year. A lot of just, smart people. Week one, baby. <laughs> a lot of smart people. We're all excited. 
said that he needs to sit a year. And then Jim freaking Ursay is like, nope, that's my guy. I don't trust Jim Ursay. He hired Jeff Saturday. And he angered Jonathan Taylor. Period. And he's but, fighting with Jonathan Taylor. Did, did you see those two games that Gardner Minshew started last year? Amazing, Joel. I know we don't need to talk anymore about it. That's great. It's <laughs> great. So with that, we're going to turn to tight ends. We're past the 30-minute mark, so we're now That's contractually right. allowed to get to tight ends. Um, and it's great because there's not much to talk about here anyways because tight end is a tough position. All jokes aside, our consensus rankings for the top 12 tight ends. First, we start with Travis Kelsey or Travis Kels, however you want to call him. Depending on who you ask, he is the tier one tight end. I'm going to just go ahead and say he's also the tier two tight end. And then the beginning of tier three starts with tight end two at Mark Andrews, followed by TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller as tight end four, Kyle Pitts, tight end five, Dallas Goddard, tight end six, followed by George Kittle, and then Pat Fryermuth, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, Dalton Schultz, and Hayden Hurst. As tight end 12, which I think is all because of me and Josh. I think we single-handedly got him up into the top top 12, which I'm pretty proud of, frankly. So we're going to start off talking about George Kittle because, oh my God, we put Dallas Goddard ahead of George Kittle? What the heck is going on? And so part of this is because, you know, we uh, Ryan has him at tight end seven. Joel has him at tight end six. I have him at tight end five. Josh has him at tight end nine. And I want to talk about this a little bit uh, in terms of tiers as well, because you could say tight end six to tight end seven. That's not a big difference between Dallas Goddard and George Kittle. However, there's a tier, there's something tier, tier oriented happening here. We're either saying Dallas Goddard is now up into the tier that George Kittle has traditionally been in, where we have Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, these other guys, or we're saying George Kittle is no longer in that second tier. And I'm curious kind of which one it is. So, Joel, I want to start with you on this one. Are, are we saying George Kittle is not in that second tier anymore, or are we just are we saying Dallas Goddard is up and he is he's now broken into that tier? All right, so let's clarify the tiers, right? Kelsey is tier zero. That is it. Everyone else reacts to him. <laughs> Um, alpha. And yeah, however you want to call it, it's it's not a tier. He's he's his own group, right? He's yes. in the Venn diagram of tight ends. He's there's no intersection there. He is exactly. by himself. Um, so I you know, I would say Andrews is tier one, and then everyone else from basically Andrews or below some like so from T.J. Hawkinson down to Kittle ish is the next tier. Um, it's like. Waller, Kittle, Hawkinson, they're all got her. They're all the same guy, right? They're all going to, their numbers are all going to be about the same. Um, here's, here's a number I brought up on, on the Sunday show. I think it was on Sunday. Travis Kelsey has missed three games in nine years. Two of them were fantasy irrelevant last games of the season. George Kittle misses that many games every year. Yeah. It's, it, we should not even consider Kelsey a tight end. He's, he's a different animal altogether. That would be incredible. Could we just have a position for Travis Kelsey in our fantasy leagues? That might be what fixes fantasy football because right now it's, 
I like I said, and, and I joke, we, we joke all the time about, you know, how do we fix tight ends? I love the gamesmanship around choosing. Do I have the balls to pull the trigger on Travis Kelsey in round one? And I know for a fact, everyone in this room does, because I've done drafts with all of you and we've all done it at some point this offseason. And it, it just changed the gamesmanship of the entire thing. Um, to go to the George Kittle thing, and I'm going to throw scampers up on the screen here, saying the Kittle disrespect is just strong everywhere. And I'm stealing from Josh's notes a little bit here. Very touchdown dependent year to do what he did last year. He's not so much pulling the yards after catch that we saw a lot of him earlier in his career that made him the tight end too. And then all of a sudden last year, he doubles his like best touchdown production ever in his seventh year in the league. It's not a knock on Kittle to put him where he is. I think it's more of an indictment of the San Francisco quarterback situation. We don't know how many pass attempts they're going to have. It's hard to envision a scenario where Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle all eat. And we know Christian McCaffrey is the best receiver of that bunch. And I think we'd all agree at this point, Brandon Ayuk is the second best receiver of that bunch. He's really stepped up. So Kittle's falling third, whereas in the years where he was God amongst tight ends, or at least demigod compared to Travis Kelsey, he was the best receiver they had by far. And that's just not the situation anymore. So when you bump him back down to five or six touchdowns and you bump him below 100 targets, it's going to be hard for him to keep up. But I'm going to take this question a whole other direction. I wanted to go into this offseason down on Dallas Goddard. I literally started articles being down on Dallas Goddard. And sometimes the research takes you where you don't think it's going to take you. In 12 games last year, Dallas Goddard still finished as the tight end 12. He was averaging 11.8 fantasy points per game, which bumps him into the top five of fantasy tight ends. So putting Goddard with Kittle is more about the accolades and giving Goddard his flowers than necessarily knocking Kittle at this point. I think that's a smart take. I have, I've been slow to get on the Dallas Goddard train. I just still, like, once I get past those top, Top four or five tight ends. I hate picking tight end after oh, that. Oh, you're so right about that. And that's fantasy strategy. And and get Kelsey or wait till you're the last person taking a tight end. Plain and fucking simple. So. Yeah. But Dallas Goddard, he's definitely moved up that tier. And George Kittle, you you cannot sell him right now. I made the worst trade of my life at this point <laughs> earlier this year, trying to get rid of George Kittle, trying to sell high on George Kittle. Sell high. Because he just had his best tight end season. And Fakiness gave me Trey Lance for George Kittle and two second round picks. Still not even the worst tight end trade in Dynasty because I should have taken the die with Travis Kelsey on your roster to heart if we're just going to make fun of our own trades. There was a league where I'm not contending. I fell in love with George Pickens earlier this offseason and moved Travis Kelsey for Khalil Herbert, George Pickens, Hunter Henry, and David Njoku. I didn't even ask for a fucking draft kick pick back. To Josh, who just took advantage of me, doesn't pay me to do anything for this website and steals Travis Kelsey from me. What the hell, man? <laughs> we need help. We do. We need anti-Josh Hudson help. Faith, I hope you're still in the chat. We need you to take over. <laughs> uh, this gave me a great show for a podcast. Idea. I'm going to tell you all about it later. I'm not going to do it here because I don't want anybody trademarking that. Yeah. We're going to move to our next and final question for the night. And this is just the point of the tight end position for me is – Exactly what Ryan said. You take Travis Kelsey, maybe you take a stance on one of these other tight ends that you think can be the tight end too. But apart from that, you're likely punting until way later. And so I like to talk about tight ends that 
some of us have ranked way higher than other people that you can probably get in the late rounds. And honestly, we're going to have to dedicate this entire session to Joel because yeah. last I checked, Joel has a lot of players ranked pretty highly that I was, I was surprised to see uh, in the top 12. So Joel, we don't have to talk about all of these. You can talk about the ones that you want, but you have Jawan Johnson, Tyler Higby, and Isaiah Likely all ranked pretty highly in your rankings. Tell us why why you're in on these guys. Yeah, so Jawan Johnson, uh, I mean, just real quick, he scored seven touchdowns last year. If you're outside of that, you know, kind of tier one, tier two of tight ends, all you care about is getting a touchdown. Um, yeah. Seems like he has a rapport with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has always kind of featured the tight end when Darren Waller's been healthy. Uh, so I think he's got a chance to, you know, if, if he can score nine touchdowns, he's tight end six probably. Um, Tyler Higby is just, he's target number two in LA. Um, it's there's Cooper cup and there's nothing else, right. That Brian talked about Tutu Atwell, uh, for some reason, I don't know why, uh, Van Jefferson, like people liked Van Jefferson for some reason. I, I liked Van Jefferson when he came out, he has had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity and done nothing with it. Why do we think this year is going to be any different? I don't know. Tyler Higby is their second target. Um, Isaiah likely will talk about a little bit, cause this gets back to the Baltimore thing, um, with, uh, with Lamar Jackson. Sicoli and I have kind of hammered this on on the sh on the Sunday show. I I think that offense is going to look kind of a lot like it did last or previously with Greg Roman, but it's just going to run a lot faster, right? So, um, and if you look at Todd Munkin, the way he ran at Georgia, he ran a lot of two tight end sets. He um, obviously when you have Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, that's something you probably want to do. But Isaiah likely showed to be a pretty good player last year when when Andrews was out and when Andrews you know when there when he was there. So, I think there's like there's an opportunity for Andrews and likely to be kind of the best tight end pairing since Gronk and Hernandez uh, almost by default, just because there haven't really been any other tight end rooms that have had any value. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's a guy who kind of fits that offense and they don't have great wide receivers, right? As much as people like Zay flowers, he's not much bigger than two, two out. He's like five, eight, five, nine. Um, exactly. Beckham is coming off two knee surgeries. He's 30. Rashad Bateman still can't get on the field. They don't have any receivers. And that's why, you know, that's why Georgia didn't throw a lot. Well, Faith might be in the chat, so I don't want to crap on Stetson yeah, Bennett. So be but careful. Um, already center after yeah. <laughs> So it was a very tight end centric passing offense. And I think it may be that way again. I love the Isaiah likely take. I'm a big fan of him. And I do, I, I, I see where you're talking like, they just roll out a bunch of two tight end sets. Like he's going to be getting targets. He was great in the red zone last year. Like he caught some incredible passes for touchdowns. So I'm, I'm in on the Zay likely pick Tyler. Hey, like you said, it's Cooper cup and nobody else like that. And he's free. He's like going as like tight end 30 in these. It's ridiculous. Nobody wants him, but he was like tight end six last year. Yeah. It, which is just that's that's the it's sad, that's but that's that's the state of the position, right? Speaking of the state of the position, Ryan, your rankings are so boring. I can't do this for you. Like I couldn't find anybody where I was like, oh, Ryan really likes this guy because it was like every tight end was like within three or three or four spots of their consensus for you. But you are the highest person out of anybody at Club Fantasy. My guy, on Cole Komet. What can I say? So tell when us you, when you love somebody, you can't you can't control what the heart wants. <laughs> why why first, do you love Cole Komet? First first and foremost, I just to toot my own horn. 
Football diehards sent out their email and their rankings contest for last season to invite us all back this season. And your boy was the number one ranker of draft tight ends last year. Uh, nobody ranked them better than me in the, nice. in the contest last year. Yes. So boring works. <laughs> um, <laughs> the long and short is I don't love Cole Komet. Let's be clear. Tight end 13 is just a guy in my rankings and certainly not anybody, even in a 13 team league that I'm going to be, he has no ceiling plain and simple. DJ Moore has capped whatever imaginary sailing he had last year. I had the same argument last year. The targets aren't there and they're not all of a sudden going to throw the ball a hundred more times this year. And now you have a real wide receiver. There's a better chance commits targets go down than they go up. Keep in mind here. I'm supposed to be talking positive about Cole Komet right now. <laughs> what I will say is I think he's still probably their best threat in the red zone. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of double coverage of DJ Moore in the red zone. I don't know if these running backs are going to be able to get it done. I know Justin Fields can get it done, but in a bootleg scramble, I think you're going to see some wide open Cole Komet. And the hope is Justin Fields can hit him this year instead of some of the, the very bad misses that I saw thrown Cole Komet's direction last year. I think touchdowns are going to prop him up a little bit this year, which is hilarious because the reason this show started disrespecting Cole Komet was his zero touchdown year in 2021 or whatever it was. So it's always and forever will be fuck Cole Komet. But apparently, <laughs> I love him more than everybody else at Club Fantasy. It's a badge of honor that I hold at this point. They like yeah. him so much, they signed Robert Tunyon. Who has, from every practice report I've read, been a non-factor. Like, I don't know what the idea Just like was. he's been in Green Bay the last year. <laughs> exactly. Years. So I don't even understand what that signing was about. And I'll be honest, I was the first one who was like, Komet's fucked. Robert Tunyon's in town, baby. <laughs> baby Kittle. It's not the case. Tunyon's a, a jag, just like Cole Komet, but Cole Komet is playing higher than him on the depth chart. I love it. So jokes aside, even though you apparently love Cole Komet, you are the highest of anyone on this podcast on Evan Ingram. So just tell us briefly, what, what, what's got you in on him this year? I overprojected the Jaguars offense. I know Joel hates <laughs> Evan Ingram, and I listen to everything Joel says about Ingram, and he is so right. Evan Ingram yep. did everything he did last year in four games. So I caution very much against paying up too high for Evan Ingram. However, I adore the Jaguars offense. So I have Ingram over 100 targets and he still only comes in as a tight end eight for me, which is all yes. Perfect take. Like that is the boring works. Um, even at hundred targets, he still falls in at tight end eight for me. Even with me over projecting the Jaguars offense, he still is coming in behind Dallas Goddard, George Kittle, all of those guys. And there's a gap there. Like, I feel like he is the gap. He is the next tier down easily. And when I say that, that means I'm willing to draft him along with David Njoku, Pat Fryermuth, Chigakonkwa I'd rather have over him. The reports on Dalton Schultz in Houston have been fantastic. And I was riding the Dalton Schultz train last year. So as my progressions grow leading up to the season, Dalton Schultz is a guy who could end up overtaking him. So I definitely get the risk with Evan Ingram, but you're not going to talk me into buying out of the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Yeah. Just buy elsewhere. It's easy. There's so many other options. There are, and you should probably take them. <laughs> Even being the highest ranked, I don't think I've ended up with a single share of Evan Ingram in any draft I've done so far. Uh, I should check out my exposure on him on Underdog yeah. uh, at some point. But, you know, guys, this has been a really fun show. Ryan, yes. Joe, thank you both. I'm so excited to be doing rankings again with y'all. 
don't go anywhere. We got to plug some stuff. Most importantly, it is Women of Fantasy Football Month. We're giving away signed jerseys. We're interviewing a bunch of incredible women in sports. You don't want to be missing these shows. Our jersey raffles this week, we have a signed Saquon Barkley and a signed C.D. Lamb jersey up for grabs. Tickets are $5 a piece. You can find the link in the uh, description of this episode. Last week, we raised over $1,000. I believe that's the first time we've done that in a week. That is, is incredible. I think Thank our you. first year, we only raised 1300 in the four weeks of the show. So incredible. That's incredible. We're on year four of this. And next Wednesday, Faith Enos will be interviewing Minty Betts of Yahoo Sports and UFC and Jen Smith, a content consumer. And we're so excited to get uh, to hear those interviews and continue to highlight all of the great women in fantasy football. Real As quick, a reminder, Austin, uh, yes. Jen is with uh, Ro- or Josh and I in the uh, Central Park division of the Scott That's Fishbowl. Awesome. So. Really looking forward to talking to her. And say so I've interacted with Jen on Twitter for years, and yeah, I, I even really though she awesome, say, awesome human being. Exactly, a wonderful t- Twitter personality. Yeah, I, I love it. We also have so much other great content going on right now. You need to be subscribed to our YouTube page and have those notifications on so that you know every time that we go live. We have Dynasty Show on Sunday with Joel Worth. You heard all the great takes he had. You can get his contact content every week on Sundays. Me and Ryan, we do mock drafts on Monday, so you can come listen to us gab about our players there. We have our best ball show going on Monday nights. DFS Golf on Tuesday nights. Again, Women of Fantasy Football raffles and interviews on Wednesday nights. And then next Thursday, we will be back at 7 p.m. Eastern again to discuss our running back rankings. That is all for tonight. Remember, defense wins championships. Offense. Let's fantasy football. See y'all next time. Have a great night, y'all.